0: perfect opportunity for me to practice this faith that things were going to be alright because I saw no way ahead of me that it would, I saw no evidence, nothing was pointing to it except that my partner was saying, I believe that it's going to be alright, okay, well I have two options, either I give up on life right here or I just decide that I have to change as a person and if I'm going to change I have to believe in something I can't even see.
1: Welcome to Power To Speak The Podcast. I'm Jackie Goddard and I work with entrepreneurs, leaders and speakers to make them excited about sharing their thoughts and ideas with an audience. The podcast allows me the privilege to speak with successful creatives, business owners and thought leaders about the importance of creativity for their work and their life, as well as hearing about their unique journeys. I have been inspired, educated and enthused by every person I've interviewed and I hope you will be too. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Power to Speak, the podcast. And my guest today is Anna Graybaugh. Welcome, Anna.
0: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome. Anna, you are a transformational coach, a business strategist, a speaker, entrepreneur, and podcast host. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's quite a lot of hats you wear there. So, so tell us. Tell us how you got started in all of these things. But but what is it that you, you, you do most or that you are most passionate about?
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm most passionate about helping people live their purpose in this world. And wearing a bunch of hats has come from the very beginning. And that's probably why I'm so passionate about helping people find that thing that they love. Because I started out on the stage. I did acting and singing and dancing. And then it wasn't until I was about 20 years old that I finally quit the performing arts to pursue it professionally. And I decided to help people, whatever that meant. I just wanted to help people. I didn't want to be in front of the mirror all day dancing. And so I started trying on many hats. I was an emergency medical technician. I was a behavioral therapist with special needs kids. I was a teacher's assistant, all of these different things until I finally realized that the common thread that I loved was this idea of making yourself something bigger, growing, developing yourself as a person. And so that really brought me into the coaching world where I got a coaching certification and I decided that if I wanted to do it, I had to learn from a coach from the inside. So I started working for coaches and I saw behind the scenes how it worked and how it all came together And, you know, I worked on a sales team for a coach. I performed really well there. I then worked with the CEO of a marketing agency, and he services some of the biggest coaches in the industry, all of the really nice ones as well. So got to meet all of them and really see how everything is. And then I started seeing that a lot of the people that I got my coaching certification with, they love coaching and they were so passionate about it, but they had no idea how to turn it into a business suddenly. And, you know, my passion was really helping them feel empowered. But I noticed that I had certain skills that I had learned and picked up over the years that they didn't have yet. And so once I started giving that to them and teaching them and just, you know, lending out a helping hand, I really started feeling like I was making a difference for people. And so I decided to lean into it and not only coach people in business, but now I've also you know i have my podcast which i started at the beginning of this year and so that allows me to have intimate conversations like this with people who are also living their purpose
1: yes yeah well i mean i if you don't mind me saying you are a lot younger than me and <laughs> and actually what you've done is almost too mature you know it's it, for me it's taken years to get to this point <laughs> of being a coach but i was listening to um a a podcast one of your podcasts and it was a solo podcast where you were Mm -hmm. where you were talking about faking it to make it
0: Mm
1: -hmm. now that's something that comes up in in what I do because obviously as we've discussed before I am from an acting background and people quite often say to me if you're if you're an actor you must be a really good liar Mm -hmm. and and I say no 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 because being an actor is all about telling the truth and being honest and so I I often have this question from people about should I fake it until Mm -hmm. I make it Mm -hmm. Um, It seems to me that it's kind of worked for you, having listened to your podcast. I'm not, you know, obviously, please tell us a little bit about how that worked for you.
0: Sure. Well, I agree with you that it's not exactly faking it. It is a saying that we have, right? But I really do just believe in once you put yourself in a situation where you have to follow through, you're going to figure out a way to make it happen. And so for me, that was just deciding that I was going to announce to certain people what I was doing, that I was going to offer my services to certain people instead of just planning and dreaming and brainstorming and branding forever. um, I was very lucky that my fiance said to me, what business when I was talking about my coaching business? And so it made me just realize that if I wanted to actually have a business in this, I have to simply do it even if I'm not ready. And so you know, announcing yourself as something brand new does feel a little bit like you are pretending at first. But if you simply say to yourself that there is no other option, that you simply are this now, it's a new chapter of your life, and you've decided that you are this this new entity, then as soon as you start to come to terms with it, as you're doing it, it starts to feel more natural and you kind of become that role that you've chosen, that you've already been inside, but now you're just finally admitting to yourself that, you, that you're that you ready to be called the thing that you want to be called. Um, and I don't know if you've listened to this TED Talk by Amy Cuddy, but she talks about um, how your body language shapes who you are. And this is something that's really influenced me because I'm very big into physiology and psychology and how they all relate. Since I struggled a lot with depression and anxiety, I'm always looking for ways to shift the way I think and feel on a very visceral level. And so whenever I would, you know, maybe feel nervous about doing something coaching wise when I was new, you know, I would try and sit with a little better posture and I would try and put myself in a place where I could automatically, you know, lower my cortisol and start to feel more comfortable in a confident position. And then the more that you simply give yourself this space to feel safe and confident before doing something new, you start to do well at it. And then you realize that you're right for it. So it's kind of a process like that, but I definitely believe that anyone can do anything that they want. And if you want to, there's a reason for it. So to follow it for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree with every single word. And yes, I have I've watched that that Ab Cuddy, and I use I use the her as an example when I'm when I'm talking to people about presentation because I, I I'm absolutely am a full believer in putting yourself in the zone, you know, yeah. and actually really really. Uh, is it true? I, I I've heard that your brain doesn't know the difference between imagined and real. So if you can imagine and visualize yourself in a space, then then it it will it will kind of your your brain will assume that that's what's happening. But also with the uh, the Amy Cuddy thing, I mean, I I I speak about it a lot when I'm talking to to my clients about just owning the space, you know, Mm is just kind of making sure you you stand as if. You own the space, yes. which, is, you know, comes from acting. You know, I, when I was teaching acting, it was a very much a status thing that I used to do with all of my, my students, kids to, to adults, is to get them walking around as if they were, you know, the president or the, the queen or, or, you know, whoever. It's just to give them the, the, so that they could feel how it felt to yes. have your shoulders back, your chest out, your head up you know and to walk around and, and own the space like that so i think in terms of faking it to make it as you say it's not really about faking it it's just it's just about uh, assuming that posture i mean mm-hmm. I, i'll say to people if they're going onto a zoom call and i do it myself although i haven't done it today <laughs> just you know dress how you you know d- dress for an occasion dress mm-hmm. as if you are in the room with people mm-hmm. i will go as far sometimes to wear perfume or make sure I smell good because it just it makes me feel good I always you know makeup and hair and every, everything she says looking at her' um <laughs> <You're> gorgeous <laughs> and but yes it's it's all about dressing the the space that you inhabit and dressing yes. it so that you know your audience are looking at you uh in in that in that way But just I wanted to touch on, actually, uh, because we have a mutual connection, who introduced us, Ben Albert, who's who's brilliant at at connecting people. But he was sort of saying, and I've heard this before, obviously, when I went through my own coaching um, uh, certification, is that you should coach people that are kind of two years behind you. Mm -hmm. you, Is that something that you found that you're now talking to people about what you used to be like?
0: Definitely. I feel that the thing that we spend the most time thinking about are the things that we struggle with, right? And so, those people who know exactly what those struggles are, we can speak to their problems in a certain way that no one else can. But I think it's also, it doesn't even have to be a couple years. Sometimes it's one step behind. Maybe they just haven't clicked one more thing. And so even if just one conversation is all they need, maybe they don't have to be a client, but if I feel like there's one thing that I see in someone that I just realized, then I'm excited to share it because I know that they're on the same wavelength. I understand how they are, I understand the way they feel. And so definitely for me, I find that the people I feel like I can help most are the ones that remind me the most of myself. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, the performance background, yes. I mean, and bring it, bring it to the to the fact that obviously, I mean, I would assume, and certainly my acting background helps me now, and it's made me the person that I am. Is there is there a similar follow through from from that into what you do now?
0: Oh goodness, yes. Well, I love how you talked about assuming a role, because for me, acting was never learning how to do something. Acting was. You know, if we think about who we are as people, they're kind of like roles as well. We've assumed this role, you know, with the parents we had in the childhood and our experiences. And so in a way, I realized that the character we play is also sort of chosen. Um, And that's something that coaching sort of plays on. You know, you get to choose who you want to be. And so, you know, when I was acting, I would just become whoever this person was. And I would think about how they would feel when they woke up in the morning and what their life would be like. And I really, really enjoyed that, you know, one of my favorite roles that I really got to get into was um, playing Ophelia from Hamlet because it's very intense and different. And for me, it allowed me to simply become someone, but bring some of my own life experience into it. So for me, I definitely started out wanting to do everything on the stage. I danced since I was three years old. I mean, acting was as soon as I was in elementary school. And then singing was something I started as well when I was about 11. So all of that was just a place for me to express this creative energy I had, where my favorite thing was to either take people out of their reality for a moment and just have them be somewhere else, or when it came to dance eventually, I fell in love with ballet at around 13. And what I loved was there was this very romantic elegance to it. And I just wanted people to see something beautiful that felt otherworldly so that, again, they just sort of were reminded that everything that they think is real isn't necessarily real. There's something bigger. And so that definitely plays into what I do today because all of the things I wanted people to feel psychologically now I just get to do it in a more direct way. So I used to think I had to do a profession to be able to make someone feel something different. But nowadays I really feel like I just I arrive as myself and I just decide that I want to spend time with someone and be there for them and whatever they need I'm happy to support. And so instead of trying to be something that I'm not or trying to fit into a mold of a performer, now I just get to be me and then I get to talk to people, you know, very intimately about what they're going through.
1: Yeah. I wonder if there is something in because I've I have thought about this before is because I certainly um, speak myself about the fact that an an actor's training and Mm -hmm. obviously your dance training, too, is is really beneficial to everybody you know I would I, I would love everybody to take an acting course and learn how to or not learn how to improvise we improvise all the time but just have the the joy of making it up as you go along to actually you know research characters find out people's motivation all of those things and I think that's why <laughs> maybe I don't know every coach but a lot of coaches do what we do because we have this kind of innate interest and curiosity about humanity, about the human mind, about what motivates people. Mm-hmm. Is, is Would that be true, do you think, from your point of view?
0: 100% and something that you were saying about how beneficial acting is, for instance, you know, something I found was that if I felt too insecure when I was younger to be on stage, I wasn't on stage, I was a character and so it, kind of taught me how to be in the spotlight and be comfortable with it without having to be myself or make myself vulnerable. And so I think that it really is beneficial for everyone to really practice being seen and being heard without worrying about how everyone will take it. Because if you're a different character, it's not you who's presenting, but but you still get to get that feeling. And I think that it really is so wonderful when people then nowadays really step out more as themselves and they're in the spotlight because there is so much that we as humans all experience. I mean most of the things that we think and experience everyone else is thinking and feeling, yet we think we're the only ones. And so the more that we actually are ourselves and are open, the more that people can heal from that. And I am so fascinated by the human mind like you said. I mean when I worked as an EMT on an ambulance, um You know, I would have to be there for people who had, you know, physical trauma. Some of them were on heavy drugs and some of them were, you know, feeling mentally ill. And the same thing I found with all of them was that I just wanted to have a deep conversation with them. You know, the 30 minutes in the back of the ambulance wasn't enough because sometimes I'd start to have a conversation with one of them and I'd feel like they finally felt like someone was listening to them. And I would feel like, oh my goodness, I feel like I've made a tiny difference, but I never did enough that I wanted to because all these people needed was someone to spend time with them and actually care about what they were going through. But most of them you know, they were very lonely people. And sometimes they, you know, they weren't able to make decisions for themselves. They had someone in a document who legally was supposed to make decisions for them or, you know, all these different things. And, um, I just realized that people would feel so much better if they just got a chance to express themselves and be heard and be treated like everyone else, you know?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I th- i think it was Oprah Winfrey, and probably it's been said by many other people, but all people want is to be validated, really. And actually, yes. what we do as coaches is give people the opportunity. I find what I do, and I've, I've said this many times, is that—is that I give people permission mm-hmm. to speak. You know, yes. the power the power to speak is in them already. And it's mm-hmm. just about giving them permission and saying, actually, what you have to say is really valuable. What you have to say should should be heard, you know. So, yes. so, don't be worried about about what people think, because the people that you're talking to that aren't interested aren't your people. They they're not there for you. So it's it's really about just giving people the permission. And as you say, when you're in those intimate moments, which which coaching, it, it can, is very intimate, mm-hmm. and and you know people are putting themselves in quite a vulnerable position. Uh, it's it, it is really about just giving them the time that they de- that they deserve to be listened to
0: yes mm-hmm. i love what you said about giving permission it is so true on just a fundamental level because you know whenever i'm doing business coaching with someone or i'm in a bigger group and i'm hearing everyone speak All they really want is for someone to believe in them and to say, Yes, I think you're good enough, because we want to hear that from someone outside of ourselves. But really, we can give that to ourselves. It's just, it doesn't feel as good because then we might be questioning, Oh, what if I'm just faking it? Right? Or, Oh, what if I'm just pretending? But the minute we hear someone else who we admire or look up to say, You are good enough, you are ready to speak, you are ready to teach someone something, then it's like, The gates have opened and we allow ourselves to be free. But something that, you know, I really do want everyone to start thinking about is, you know, what am I maybe not giving myself permission to do that I'm ready to, that, you know, I'm waiting for approval of something from someone else that I'm very lucky again, that my partner is always, always questioning me. Like, do you need approval for this? You're ready, you know, which I really love um, because thankfully it's like having a coach and someone always there to support me when i'm not believing in myself i'm so grateful that someone is there to tell me hey you can do this you are good enough you know really look at yourself honestly and see what are you doing right now what do you want to be doing you know
1: yeah so. yeah you're you're very lucky to you know because lots of people don't don't have that which is which is why we're why we're here really I mean I, I quite often well I do encourage people certainly when I'm working with them on presentations or talks or you know if they're going to be standing up and doing something is to find those stories because I think as well if you are a member of an audience and you're sitting there afraid to speak up or if you've not had that permission just hearing somebody else's story can validate your own, so that so that you know you're you're sitting there as an audience member and, and listening to somebody telling their story that you can then say oh well if they you know if they're doing it then then you know that validates me and I can stand up and do that so it kind of they, they get permission they get permission that way but it is it is about standing up and and being yourself and and certainly as a from an actor's point of view it's a for me about um, being rather than playing.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's funny
1: when you were saying about you know being a character and and sort of being behind a camera. The spotlight's on you, but you're mm-hmm. not you, yes. uh, because you are playing a character. That's the thing about acting, isn't it? And it's 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 quite. Is the word paradoxical? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think that so. <laughs> that actually you are as as a person in business when you stand up and you speak, you you need to be you rather than play at being somebody you think you should be Mm -hmm. so rather than playing a character you need to be that character you need to be you if that makes sense
0: yes it's very funny when you're saying that I'm realizing that one of the things I've been working on a lot lately is you know not going into character mode because it's very easy for me to just go into professional mode or coach mode or whatever. And especially, you know, when it comes to speaking about things, because I I love being on stage, obviously. And when I was, you know, at university, I practiced doing informative talks on the stage. And so I did research on scientific topics and I'd give these long talks, um, you know, in front of the school. And I really enjoyed that because again, I got to express myself. Now I got to talk about mindfulness and meditation, treating depression. So it was a little more in my vein. But you know, nowadays, when I actually am realizing how important it is to be authentic and actually share what's really behind everything, not just the highlights and the things that I want people to know, but really a little bit of everything, it's, it's very easy to try and just put on a mask and just show the nice parts. But it's something that is a work in progress for sure of really working on how to let go of those walls and feel comfortable still being yourself in the spotlight.
1: Yeah, sure. it's, it's not easy. It really isn't easy, but it's, it's baby steps, isn't it? It's just practicing mm-hmm. those little things that you can do that would just take you one, one step further, one step closer. So how do you help people sort of find their
0: purpose? Great question. Well, I think people already know it deep down. And so again, it's really just giving people the chance to start looking at it honestly. You know, For me, I think it's really just you have to ask the right questions. A lot of us are asking questions that are not helpful, right? Like why did this happen to me or why is this so difficult? Why can't I figure out what I want to do rather than what is it that I want most right now or what do I really want to be doing a year from now? And once we start to ask ourselves what we actually want, which is very difficult if you're starting out, you can start that practice of thinking about and writing down all the things that naturally do spark this joy in you, not just because they sound good or you know people would look up to you if you did it, but things that actually fill you with energy. And I think that living your purpose is really Following that energy that bubbles up inside of you and makes you excited, um, because that's your soul energy that's here to come out. And so, if you're doing what makes it come up, then you're really doing something meaningful. And so, for me, I just try and really listen to people when they're speaking to hear what it is they might be saying without saying the things that make them smile when they're talking about them, the things that they don't smile about, and actually just starting to ask gentle questions that help them figure out for themselves what it is that they do really want and what they really feel inspired to do or talk about or anything like that. Because a lot of the people I work with are coaches. And so they just know they want to help people as well. And they might not even know how they want to do that yet. They just want to do it in some way. And the truth is, is that it doesn't matter exactly how you do it, especially in the beginning, All that matters is that you take, like you said, baby steps. So one step in that direction. Um, You might be teaching something you won't in five years, but just the act of, you know, being in a different sort of role where now you're teaching someone and holding space for them rather than sitting at a desk or something, right? All of a sudden, you're a little bit closer to something that lights you up. So that's my favorite thing is really just getting to know people and hearing what they really do care about underneath everything else
1: yeah i i kind of got i got waylaid by my career's teacher when i was 16 I could, because i should have, i should have been an actor from from I, well i was an actor back then really yeah. in play in the playground i was an actor mm-hmm. and a director and a playwright and yeah everything mm-hmm. um and then i ended up being sort of put off or mm-hmm. or sort of put into a different box because they didn't believe that acting was really a proper job um but, as you say, that it was there bubbling inside me, and it just it was never going to go away. So, mm-hmm. I think I was twenty eight when it, when finally it was like, "No, this is it. Mm-hmm. I've got to do it." So I went off to drama school at that point. And my life has has transformed from that. I was never going to be totally happy doing what I was doing because it wasn't it wasn't me. And I do believe that we kind of come back to, what we, what we, you know, it, it will surface. It will come out in the end. It will, oh, yes. you know, it will come back to you.
0: Definitely. So,
1: so, do you think you'll be on a stage again as a, as a performer?
0: In different ways, yes, for sure. I definitely want to speak a lot on stage. When I originally went into sort of the coaching field, the thing that inspired me was speaking, um, because whenever I was down, I would turn to TED Talks on YouTube my whole life. And they would help me. Nothing else would, but just hearing one talk would move me. And I realized, you know, that's what I'm really passionate about is the ability to move someone, take them out of a state of despair and give them hope in five minutes, right? Just by speaking. And so that is definitely something I see in the future that I'm working up towards, Uh, for doing more of it, really, right? Not just coaching and podcasting, but I do want to be speaking on bigger stages. And as far as dancing goes, that will always potentially be in my life. I did take some dance classes with my partner, which was fun. So we might have more of that just for fun in our lives. Who knows? Maybe acting will come up as a hobby. I don't know. But I do know that as far as a professional sense speaking about my story, things I've learned. Those things will definitely be a part of my life. And then everything else that's fun. I mean, I'm very lucky that my family, they're very playful. And so when I visit my grandparents in Sweden, they always play games like charades. And when we visited them for New Year's, I mean, my 87-year-old grandfather was lying on the floor with his arms going like this, like an alligator (laughs) crawling, right? And so I'm very lucky that I grew up in a place where acting and playing was okay all of the time. And so, you know, I'm definitely going to incorporate that into my life. And it also feels very freeing because I've recently discovered more that I've always tried to put all of my loves into my career. Like I wanted to check every single box But I'm realizing that because a career is a journey anyway, you can't start with it checking all of the boxes, right? Like I thought coaching was going to be the thing that would do that for me. But I'm realizing that even just starting with coaching in business and helping people with those sort of initial steps in their life is a way of being in a new field that really lights me up. And then at the same time, I can go out and speak more and more about different things that also inspire me. And eventually that might grow into something that is a bigger part of my business, but really that we don't have to try and fit everything into a box because like you said, it will come out anyway. And I've tried to shove things into boxes. I've tried to, you know, squish it in there, but no matter
1: we're not ending here just taking a quick break to remind you that you are listening to power to speak the podcast and we'll be right back after we hear from our friend fellow podcaster and teller of tantalizing tales from the storytelling with puck podcast stefano Capacchione. the story I'll, I'll read for you the once with three little girls This is a dream that I think really shows how we view transformation.
0: Dreams, emotions, empathy, connection, stories, storytelling with Puck. Find your next tantalizing tale on your favorite podcast platform or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with Puck podcast. But no matter what, even if it's a good box, I just end up depressed yeah. and needing to move out. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: The, the box could never be big enough. No, never be big never, enough. Never. So, I need seven yeah. boxes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I I absolutely can, can. Yeah. I can see that completely because, yeah, I, I can't fit anything into a box. And I always say to people that, I, you know, my my last 30 sort of odd years of working has been like a jungle gym. It's gone all over the place. It's not mm-hmm. gone. Oh, I got on this here. I started out as a fashion designer, so I was actually designing clothes. Wow! And you know, for the high street and stuff, and it was never mm-hmm. you know a big, amazing fashion designer. Although I was in my head, but mm-hmm. it just it wasn't for me. It mm-hmm. was it, it that you know that stuff that was inside me wasn't that person. And yeah. so I'm you know I transferred over to the theatre and made costumes and then b- before you know it they are, there I am at drama school doing what I love mm-hmm. and, and so it is that kind of jungle gym thing mm-hmm. but I love the fact that you are looking at getting on stages and speaking mm-hmm. about your experience and, and what you've done because I think I was talking to um, a, a public philosopher yesterday called Tom Morris who's amazing mm-hmm. and I did my first live speaking about speaking with him because he's he's an amazing keynote speaker. Tom Morris um, is very much uh, a teacher speaker, so mm-hmm. everything that he does on stage and he is about really sharing and about uh, the audience rather than yourself. And again, that goes back to another TED talk that I watched. I don't know if you've seen Nancy Duarte.
0: Oh yes, I think I have yes. seen that
1: one. Who mm-hmm. put speeches together, and she, you know, and she says it's really not about you; it's about them. And mm-hmm. actually, you are there as a as the mentor, and they they are the hero of the hero's journey, and you are the mentor. Right. They're the Luke Skywalker; you're the Yoda. Yes. So I can imagine you as a Yoda on on a stage and sharing everything. And I think this is the thing as coaches, we kind of we we are in we are allowed into those quite intimate spaces with people where we're kind of talking to them quite intimately. And we learn a lot and we take on a lot of experiences and we're there for whatever reason we're there. But, but I think generally we have that to share and we have we have that ability with speaking and to be able to stand on a stage and share one-to-many rather than just sort of one-to-one. One. Absolutely. So, so what is it that you, that you love to speak about most? If you, if you've got a keynote or your TED talk, what would your TED talk be about?
0: Well, I'm really glad you're bringing this up because as you're talking about it, I'm realizing I'm having some questions for you as well, because when it comes to speaking, I just know that I want to inspire people. I want to move them. And I also want to give them some sort of connection to something bigger than everything that they already know and understand. Because for me, I really used to think the world was out to get me. Um, I adopted some beliefs growing up that the world was a scary, bad place. And if something good happens to you, something bad is around the corner. And so for me, it was very challenging trying to figure out how life was going to go because I was always worried about something bad happening, and. The only thing that really changed that was once I started having faith in the universe, right? Not in some specific higher power, but just learning how to trust and surrender to something bigger than myself that could provide some sort of security or safety or happiness. And the minute that I realized that I really didn't have any faith in the world being there for me, I decided, I need to make some faith happen because I was doing one of those personality tests and I got a one out of 10 on faith. I rated myself as having one out of 10 amount of faith. And so I just decided I need to figure out a way to believe in good things happening and to believe that things are going to turn out well for me. And I don't know exactly what steps were taken in the order they were, but I do know that little by little, I either had opportunities to have faith, like maybe something really difficult happened and I had to believe that it would be okay. A very big thing was in 2020, my fiance and I were living and a family member came to stay with us who was not well mentally and they had some very challenging times in our home. And it was a very trying time for all of us. Very scary. And we didn't know if this person was going to be okay. I didn't know if I was going to be okay. (laughs) I started unraveling as well. And so it really was a perfect opportunity for me to practice this faith that things were going to be all right, because I saw no way ahead of me that it would. I saw no evidence. Nothing was pointing to it, except that my partner was saying, I believe that it's going to be all right. And I didn't believe him. (laughs) And so I just said, okay, well, I have two options. Either I give up on life right here, or I just decide that I have to change as a person. And if I'm going to change, I have to believe in something I can't even see. And so I just decided to have blind faith, as they call it. Basically, I felt like I was closing my eyes and taking one step in front of the other and seeing what happened. And sure enough, about six months later, the clouds passed and everyone was well again, and slowly I felt well again. And now it's its not as if it never happened because we're actually all stronger for it, but it's definitely so different than it was in that moment. So for me, there's a lot that has to do there with this personal internal journey, which I'm still trying to figure out exactly how that message will be, of course. But something that might be helpful as well for those who are trying to figure out what they're going to speak about or if they can speak, is this idea of do I have something worth sharing or am I ready to speak, right? I think everyone feels that. And for me, you know, I've allowed the excuse that I'm younger than everyone to sort of limit me um, because a lot of people, they have a lot of life experiences or they don't, right? I've crammed a lot of life experiences into the quarter century I've been on this planet. But Still, I tell myself that I don't have as much to share as someone who's been here twice as long as me, for instance, because I figure, oh, they've had more time to learn or figure things out. And I think that no matter what your excuse is or what your reason, everyone can find something that makes them feel like they're not ready or they're not adequate. So something that I just wanted to throw out there as well is this idea that, you know, that everyone does have something to share. And, you know, even though I'm still figuring out exactly what that true resonating message is, I know that there's lots of things all of the time that I feel I want to share with people, you know, as they come together.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a very powerful story, what you went through, you know, and that's, that is a story that I think will really resonate with lots of people. And it is that, that, that decision, whether, I mean, I I age twenty eight, so not very much not much older than you. I am twice your age now, Um, but I at twenty eight had breast cancer, and for me that was that was a moment in my life where it was like, well, either I give up now, right, or I like you, blind faith, just had to go with it, Mm -hmm. and it transformed my life. You know, that was the point when I thought, right, I'm going to drama school. I've got to do it. And so I absolutely understand that that those powerful experiences that we have and I I was in a play once before that happened and the last line of the play was what doesn't kill you makes you stronger Mm -hmm. I had no idea what that meant when Mm -hmm. I spoke it every single every single night I went on had no idea what what I was talking about (laughs) now I know now I absolutely know is that you know if if it doesn't kill you it can only make you stronger Yes. You know, the, 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 but that is your choice. That's, that's mm-hmm. a choice that, that we have the privilege of making. You know, we, yes. we do have that capacity to make that choice. And I think unlike you who seem to have just grasped that and maybe maybe i've got a feeling maybe that comes down to your fiance slightly as well is just having that <laughs> oh, yes. that, that real that. kind of support system there yes. to say no it's it's going to be okay and i di- i did as well my husband was with me when you know when i was going through that but still it i i was i was kind of coaching my friends from then on because once mm-hmm. that had happened i thought uh i have this i have this now this knowledge mm-hmm. That, that other people don't have because they haven't been there, they haven't been through that. But everybody has their own trauma. They have, everybody goes through something. Right. And so I kind of counselled all of my friends until eventually I thought, no, 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 this is, you know, and, and in my teaching, when I was teaching classes, when I was teaching acting, it would come out then and I mm-hmm. could feel it. I could feel that's where it came from. It wasn't just the actor's training, but it was the experience that I'd been through. Right. And so now that's that's how I now coach and that's now why i want to step on stages and and spread that and why i obviously have the the podcast to sort of discuss these things with people because yes. i think it's i think it's important to get those stories out there and I, yeah you're doing an amazing an amazing amazing job and and the the um the podcast mm-hmm. the premise is the premise of purpose mm-hmm. which yeah. i've got to, let me show the the picture <laughs> of because it's a lovely beautiful picture pretty yes in pink. Mm
0: -hmm. So tell us,
1: tell us a little bit about how that came about and what made you want to start your podcast.
0: Oh, goodness. Yes. Well, when it comes to purpose, I do need to go back to my dancing because that was where my whole purpose identity started. Um, I thought I was just here to be an artist, a creator. And then when I realized that dance wasn't giving it to me, I decided that I was going to find whatever this purpose was. And so I just set off on a quest to help people and to find my purpose. But as I went along, I started realizing that just focusing on the things that made me happy was a great way to sort of find my way. And then as I was coaching and more coaching in business, there was still this part of me that really wanted to talk about the soul's journey, you know, and really wanted to go into that. As you were talking about this experience that I just had and how that was a story, it truly, it just showed to me that there is an exact mirror that I experienced in dance earlier by myself all alone. And this was where, you know, I was in New York City. I left home alone at 16. So I was in New York City alone. At this point, I was 17. And I was told that I my heart could have stopped in a week because I was so underweight from anorexia. Um, I was studying under one of the most famous, well-regarded ballerinas in the last century. I was studying with her in New York and she, you know, struggled with that kind of thing. So here I was, I was in the nutritionist's office. I was 90 pounds, which is 40 pounds lighter than I am today. And, you know, the nutritionist is telling me something has to change or else you're not going to survive. And it was one of those same moments where it was do I give up here? You know, because no one's going to come and save me. And what was so interesting was it wasn't just, okay, now I'm going to save myself. It was, do I want to save myself? Mm. Is it worth it to put in that effort to move forward? Because again, when you're up against these, what doesn't kill you, makes you stronger moments in order to not perish, you have to become someone else in that moment. And so I'm really grateful that you helped point this out because I'm starting to see a pattern here. But it really is that sort of thing that has inspired my podcast. It's these moments in people's lives where they've really become someone bigger than they thought they were before, because I really do believe that's part of our purpose. And they start to show people that they're capable of so much more than they originally thought. And I just love what people have under the surface that they're still discovering. And so I was actually on a walk in nature and I was thinking, I have something to share and express and how can I do this? And then it just occurred to me purpose. Why are we here? I want to hear that. I want to talk to every single person I meet and ask them about their life and their purpose. And then when I figured that out, I realized, well, great. Now I have something to talk about and to start. So my podcast is really there just for me to mostly talk to people who are chasing and following and living their purpose, those who've been brave enough to actually choose that path rather than going after a box, but choosing to go their own way. And all of the normal struggles and setbacks that come with it. And then the triumphs so that people can hear that it is great to follow your purpose, no matter how scary it may seem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So which came first, the, the podcast or the coaching?
0: The coaching came first. Yes. Yes. I started that several years ago. And at first I was, you know, studying coaching that had to do with some quantum physics and, you know, mindset and things like that. But that was really just a foot in the door. Um, You know, that's all related to possibility and potential as well. But really the thing that I just love is, again, human potential, helping people see themselves in a way that they are that they don't even see themselves as yet, and then being that example for other people as well. It's like this ripple effect of people really connecting to a certain sense of security and peace and knowing in who they are that they get to keep exploring more and more throughout their life.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean just very quickly from from what you were saying before, it reminded me again of uh, the conversation I had with Ben um, around stacking stacking experiences and stacking skills because everything that we kind of become and it, it, all of those things I think push us towards our purpose because mm-hmm. we kind of the layers of, of everything that happens in our lives um and and our jobs as coaches is to draw that out of people and find those experiences that so that they can do that for themselves
0: yes definitely yeah. and That's why I'm so grateful that I've recently had some more mentors in my life because, you know, they always say that the teacher arrives when the student is ready. Well, you know, for several years, I was saying, where is my mentor? Where is my mentor? Because in dance, I had mentors and that was easy. You know, it was find an amazing dancer and then someone who you really connect with. But then when it came to my life, all of a sudden, where am I going to find a mentor for living? And, you know, I worked with different coaches, but it wasn't until... The teachers came to me separately in divine timing that I actually was with the right people who saw me in a way that I didn't even see myself. And they were able to speak to me in a way that hit home so well that I just knew that they saw me. And there's something so comforting in that. So I really do think there's something very powerful in having a coach or a mentor who does see that bit in you, um, yeah. who is in that space themselves where they can allow themselves to become like a mirror for someone else, right? Because if we're in our own ego and our own thoughts, we can't fully be there for someone else. But a coach who does the work themselves and chooses to be there for someone else, we can be a completely blank palette for them to come with all of their colors and for us to show them this is what I'm seeing, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's that's what I love about what I do um, is just the, the fact that I can be that mirror. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I started, when I started Power to Speak, I was almost a voice coach. So I was working mm-hmm. with people really fundamentally on on how they sounded mm-hmm. and how they sort of showed up. Yeah. But actually, through the coaching coaching I had, was yes. to really see those those levels and, and and the fact that you are that mirror you know mm-hmm. that you can stand there and you can sh- you can sh- shine that light mm-hmm. on all of those parts of that person that they can't see for themselves or that you know they're so so um so overwhelmed mm-hmm. with what's going on around them that they can't see the little you know those little nuggets of goldenness that actually yes. you know that that come come from inside them, that, that's always been there, you know, and that's what's lovely about what we do.
0: I love that.
1: So so tell, tell me a little bit about, you've got a, a new coaching program coming up. So tell us a little bit about that because that starts very soon.
0: Yes, I have a challenge coming up in November, November 7th through 11th, and this is all going to be about launching your coaching business. So there's so many people I've met who they have this passion in their hearts and they know they wanna do something, And a lot of them just haven't been able to get the momentum going in a way where it starts to naturally grow and build. I know one amazing woman who's wanted to do this for 10 years. And so there are a lot of people who have this passion to be something for someone else. And what I really love doing is just helping people who are very emotional and loving. You know, I can relate with this emotional side and help them really put the practical bits together so that your business plan is not related to your emotions. So you don't derail in any way. You have a plan and you follow it through and through, and that allows you to get the momentum you need so you can start putting yourself into it. So this challenge is all about learning some of those very fundamental skills, like defining exactly who your audience is, the problem you're solving, what that solution is, and then how you can put that into some sort of program and immediately go out there and start teaching it and getting that momentum going Because there are so many people who are meant to do this work, and it is simply their own mental beliefs and states that keep them from going to that next place. I've kept myself many, many times from going to that next place where I put myself out there. It's the same thing for speaking or whatever it is in this field, but it really just comes down to believing in yourself more than you have in the past and seeing what you're capable of.
1: Yeah. So are you looking for people that are already coaching or people that have never coached before, but it's in the back of their minds or...
0: It's truly for anyone, whether you're already coaching or not, but just someone who has not gotten the business aspect rolling, it is not consistent, it isn't looking exactly the way they want. This is for really creating one of those tangible plans so that you don't have to try and figure it out as you're going, but you can create something and follow it and test it and have more of a meticulous process to keep you grounded while you're discovering yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah and that's did you say it was a 4 day challenge or
0: It is a 5 day challenge it's day free challenge. and I will give you the link later Jackie so that we can share that with people but Absolutely. I know you have my, my regular website as well I do <laughs> this is
1: so this is anagraybau.com uh, is your website for those that are listening and not not watching us uh, mm-hmm. but yes I will put all of those links in the in the bottom when it uh, when it goes out brilliant or well, let's let's do some very very quickly before we wrap up some fun stuff So I know that you speak fluent Swedish, and and obviously from what you've said, your family are Mm -hmm. are from Sweden. So tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yes, sure. Well, my dad is from Sweden. He he was originally a jazz guitarist, and so he went to the Berklee College of Music when he was 19 in the US, went back to Sweden, and then came back in his 30s to study um, film composition under Jerry Goldsmith, which was very cool. Yeah. So he ended up coming to LA. And then thankfully at the same time, my mother moved from New York to LA and she's Greek American. And then they met, they got married and not married. They got engaged after three months of meeting each other. So they got engaged. And then within the next year, they had me, they bought a house and they got married three times.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Three times. Oh, with the Greek, I can imagine the Greek side...
0: Yes, they got married once in LA, once in New York, and once in Sweden. So they didn't go on a honeymoon, but they had three weddings in one year. And so, you know, that was that was really fun and I was lucky that my father only speaks Swedish with me on purpose so that I can be bilingual and that's allowed me to go back to Sweden every single year and visit my aunt and uncle, cousins and grandparents and really, you know, develop that relationship with Another part of the world, which I really love. And I did live there for a couple of years Um, after I lived in New York for dance. I moved to Sweden and I was auditioning for ballet companies all over Europe. And uh, one of my favorite auditions was in London, actually, for Disneyland Paris which was okay. very fun because of my <laughs> lifelong dreams was to be a Disney princess. Um, <laughs> and I was this close to actually getting to try on a costume. <laughs> I was very close. I'm only five foot one. So I'm very short and they have parameters around being a dancer at Disney. So I didn't fit the parameters, but I was in the height range for a character of either Tinkerbell, Alice in Wonderland or Wendy from Peter Pan. <laughs> and so out of 250 people in the room, we got down to 12 and I was there. And then the final check was the head profile check for if you'd look good in the wig and it wasn't the right thing, but I was this close to turning <laughs> on a Tinkerbell costume. Oh, oh cool.
1: you'd have been a fantastic Tinkerbell. Oh, <laughs> thank
0: you, thank yeah. you. But those are just some of the fun things. And also speaking of my fiance, whom I obviously adore, he was a jazz guitarist as well. So the minute that he wrote to me which was 2 months after i moved back from sweden and i saw that he was a jazz guitarist it was it was just fate it was i had this voice in my head that said well if you answer him you're going to marry him <laughs> and at first i'm saying okay voice don't be silly but just like you were saying there are these moments where you you know you feel this pull or this this thing it was the same thing it was just Something bigger is at play here, and you have a choice always what to do, right? You can choose to go a certain way, but if you do choose in the way where these voices are sort of nudging you, then you can open up a whole new world that you didn't know existed, yeah. which yeah. is what for me. so Yeah. So is he Swedish? No. My fiancé is as American as it gets. He is so perfect. Um, he and I went to the same elementary, middle, and high school, but never met, Oh Yes. He is three years older and his younger sister is the same age as me. So his mother brought over some photo albums once and we were just going to look through them. And I am in photos with his younger sister, just me and her in the school like pageants and we happen to be standing right next to each other. And there are all these photos of me in his photo albums. It's really <laughs> wacky. But yeah, so he's um he's American Jewish and his dad's from New York and his mom's from LA. So he has this very um sort of like LA New York energy to him, which is a great compliment to when I'm sort of more soft spoken. It always helps me get out of my shell even when I don't think I'm ready. Yes. So It's amazing having people in your life that really bring out the best in you, for sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So did you ever learn Greek?
0: No. um, My mother didn't push it as much because she didn't learn it fully when she was growing up. Her grandparents, I believe, are from Greece. So it's a couple generations back. But I can count to 10 and I can say I love you. And that's about it.
1: (laughs) Galispera, I think, was all I ever...
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: As, before we go, I've just one last question: the bucket list. Because mm. I think we had a conversation before when we when we first met about um, wanting to be on the Broadway stage. Mm. Yes. Is that still on the bucket list?
0: Oh goodness. Well, hey, if I got invited to be on Broadway, I would never say no. I love Broadway and theater, musical theater. Oh, one of the loves of my life. We actually just watched Guys and Dolls a couple nights ago, <laughs> so. Broadway is something I adore. If that was ever an opportunity, I would say yes in a heartbeat. But anything that just allows someone to be creative and express themselves on another level, that's my favorite thing.
1: Yeah, Broadway is my bucket list too. So if there's <laughs> any producers, directors out there, any anybody that wants to put us on a Broadway stage, <laughs> we're, we're up and ready for it. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you, Anna. It's yes. been a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank and you. And I look forward to speaking to you again.
0: Me too. Soon.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests, or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. And remember, check out some tantalising tales and magical moments from Storytelling with Puck. Find them where you find your favourite podcasts or head over to puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with puck podcast. Bye for now.